Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Lisa Rodriguez. Today is Tuesday, May 24th. Coming up, for Starbucks baristas, working for a company with a reputation for taking care of its employees used to be a point of pride. But some employees say the company's response to their unionization efforts prove otherwise. We're not going to take the abuse that we've been facing anymore and that we're going to make our lives better for our future. We'll meet the workers behind the unionization push in Kansas City. Plus the story of a Kansas man with a rare disease who spent decades advocating for a treatment that may never help him. But first, some headlines. A Kansas City, Kansas man who spent 23 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit is back in federal court today seeking compensation for his time behind bars. KCUR's Peggy Lowe reports. Lamont McIntyre was exonerated of a double homicide in 2017 and released from prison. He's now seeking $93 million in damages from the unified government and former detective Roger Golubsky. McIntyre says he was set up by Golubsky because the police officer allegedly assaulted his mother, Rose McIntyre, who then rejected the officer for a romance. Golubsky's lawyers on Monday hoped to get the okay to have an expert testify about the possibility that Rose McIntyre had a false memory of the assault. But federal judge Catherine Vertil wouldn't allow it, saying Golubsky's lawyers failed to show proof that Rose McIntyre hadn't been assaulted. The Jackson County Legislature yesterday approved allocating about $4 million to continue construction on a new jail. But as KCUR's Salisa Kalakal reports, that came after legislators expressed frustration with the project. The legislature initially voted down funding the next phase of the new county jail with JCDC, the company overseeing the project. Legislators were frustrated with what they said was a lack of information from JCDC. Here's legislator Jalen Anderson. Because when things were said and they might have been discussed, that stayed in the steering committee. There was no presentation done here. JCDC pledged to provide regular updates to the legislature on the status of the jail moving forward, and that seemed to mollify the lawmakers. Kansas lawmakers have officially wrapped up their 2022 session. As Jim McLean of the Kansas News Service reports, they spent part of their final day overriding Democratic Governor Laura Kelly's veto of a bill to block her from negotiating Medicaid contracts. Republicans overrode Governor Kelly's veto of a bill that blocks her administration from negotiating new multi-billion dollar contracts with companies that run CanCare, the state's Medicaid program. They say that should be left to the next governor, who they're hoping will be Derek Schmidt, the state's Republican attorney general. Opponents, mainly Democrats, argue the bill could give the current CanCare companies what amount to no-bid contract extensions. To ensure they had the votes, Republicans combined the contracts bill with one that prohibits the governor from closing down religious services during disease outbreaks. Representative Brenda Landwehr. That occurred right here in the state of Kansas. This bill assures us that that cannot happen again. With the override vote, the combined bills are now state law. Across the country, Starbucks workers are pushing to unionize. In Kansas City, four stores are involved in union efforts, and one of them is set to learn the results of their union election today. For these baristas, working for a company that's built a reputation for taking care of its employees was a point of pride. Now, as KCUR's Jacob Martin reports, that company is putting up roadblocks to its union effort. 
When Maddie Doran learned that she was at risk of losing her health insurance as an employee of Starbucks, she said it wrecked her. Oh, it, it, it ruined me. I mean, I have um, I, I suffer from a panic disorder, so um, any little thing that spikes my anxiety uh, makes it go just through the roof. Doran was an employee at Starbucks on 75th Street in Overland Park. And like many Starbucks workers across the country, was drawn to the job because of the flexible schedule and the company's health care. Doran is transgender, and for her, the insurance offered by the company was life-saving. But when she and her colleagues announced they wanted to form a union, Starbucks threatened to take those benefits away. For me, you know, gender-affirming surgeries um, are life-saving, and if I were to, like, lose access to those, um, it puts me in an an extremely bad place. She wasn't alone. Co-workers Olivia Claypool and Michael Vestigo were planning to utilize the company's tuition assistance program to further their education. But all three employees were terminated in what they believe was an example to others of what could happen if they voted to unionize. Because Starbucks offers arguably better benefits you know, than other places, it really suckers people into the company and they can't afford to lose the job then. For a company that prides itself on prioritizing its workers' best interest, employees say its actions over the past two years prove otherwise. At the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, while millions of Americans stayed home to protect themselves from infection, Starbucks employees were asked to keep working. That brought even more attention to some of the other issues happening inside cafes. Health violations, delayed maintenance, and complaints of harassment from customers that all went unaddressed by managers. Two stores in Buffalo, New York, unionized in 2021, and soon hundreds of other stores followed. Claypool, one of the employees who was fired from the Overland Park store, has since gotten her job back. Standing outside the cafe, she says watching the company's reaction to their union efforts has been disappointing. It's been, like, really hard to see the company just dangle them above people's heads and just make so many comments about, you know, losing those benefits if we unionize and things like that. Her store actually did vote to form a union, but that victory was short-lived. We did win the vote, technically, but we had seven ballots that were challenged. Claypool says Starbucks corporate is still contesting their votes as a tactic to stop the momentum that's been building. And her store isn't alone. Workers United, a union rights organization that represents Starbucks workers across the country, has filed 80 unfair labor practice charges against Starbucks. And this month, the National Labor Relations Board filed a complaint that workers at the Country Club Plaza and Overland Park were unjustly fired because they are pro-union. Patricia Campos Medina, a director of the New York Union Leadership Institute, said union-busting tactics aren't something new. There's no consequences for anti-union activity. Uh, You can file an ULP, but it can take years before you get a resolution. In the meantime, you can intimidate workers, you can fire them, you can change their hours. KCUR made multiple requests to Starbucks for comment on this story, all of which went unanswered. The company previously told KCUR that they preferred to communicate directly with their workers rather than through the media, but that they fully respect their legal right to unionize. Despite the challenges workers say Starbucks is throwing their way, some are still optimistic. This week, workers at the Starbucks at 39th Street in Independence will vote on whether to unionize. C.J. Miller is an employee there. The movement sparked 
really by the workers in Buffalo has led to the other workers in fast food and in the service industry to stand up and say that we're not going to take the abuse that we've been facing anymore and that we're going to make our lives better for our futures. For his part, Miller remains hopeful that regardless of the outcome of the vote, he will have been part of a movement that improved the lives of workers like him. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Jacob Martin. Recent advances in gene therapy have made it possible for doctors to treat rare conditions that were once untreatable. But even more patients never get the fix they hope for. KCUR's Alex Smith has the story of a Kansas man who spent years advocating for research that he worries won't be ready in time to help him or his family. In the summer of 1999, a soft-spoken air traffic control specialist from South Dakota gained national attention when he signed on for a patient trial testing the safety of a potential breakthrough treatment for a form of muscular dystrophy. On a telethon in USA Today and in news outlets across the country, Donovan Decker told his story. He was born with a degenerative disorder called limb girdle muscular dystrophy type 2D. It gradually weakens patients' muscles and caused Decker to walk with a gait. Researchers at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Ohio aim to treat it by injecting patients with a virus containing a working copy of the gene that caused the condition. Decker had four sisters who also had the disorder, and he eagerly volunteered for the trial. I knew it wasn't going to be a cure, but I thought eventually they would come up with this to where it would be a cure. And having my family affected the way it was, was important to me to try to help myself and my family. He became a passionate advocate for gene therapy research, speaking at conferences, urging other patients to volunteer for trials, and lobbying Congress for funding. This kind of intense patient advocacy is common and necessary in the rare disease world. Big drug companies usually don't have much financial interest in early-stage research for conditions that affect so few patients. So it's often been up to patients, their families, and nonprofit groups to fundraise. Sharon Hesterly is the chief research officer for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. They've spent $125 million to develop gene therapy, often with the goal of attracting a company that could bankroll more expensive further steps. A lot of what we do is de-risking. So we, we want to pave the way and make it easier for the, you know, next party, it's usually a drug development company, to pick things up and move it forward. Although the media coverage of Decker's trial suggested a fix was around the corner, it took nearly two decades for a drug company to take interest. In 2019, Massachusetts-based Sarepta Therapeutics purchased the rights to limb girdle muscular dystrophy 2D treatment research developed at Nationwide Children's. To Decker's disappointment, however, the company didn't launch advanced clinical trials. Instead, it began a natural history study in which scientists may spend years simply observing how a condition like limb girdle muscular dystrophy affects patients. Sarepta Chief Medical Officer Luis Redino Claypick explains this is needed because the condition remains relatively little understood. We completely understand the community's desire for us to move investigational treatments faster, um, and that's our desire too. Um, it's just important to understand that there are steps in the drug development process that just take time. To Decker, this seemed like a step backwards, especially since other gene therapy treatments have already hit the market, like Zolgensma, which dramatically improves spinal muscular atrophy. 
Sharon Hesterly says that in some cases, drug companies have not prioritized gene therapy research as patients hoped. Although in the case of many muscular disorders, the science has also proved more complicated than expected. Today, Donovan Decker is 59, and he lives near Wichita. He now uses a motorized wheelchair, and his breathing has been diminishing. After nearly 25 years of advocating for gene therapy research, he's angry that the company now leading the charge isn't doing more to prioritize it. I think of all the families that have been helped with gene therapy, it's good to know that I had a part to play in the ones for the muscular dystrophy and spinal muscular atrophy, but yet there's still um, a big hole there for me because my family hasn't been helped. Still, Decker encourages other patients to take part in research. He remains hopeful that someday it will lead to a cure. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Alex Smith. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Lisa Rodriguez. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by me and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read more about the Starbucks unionization effort at kcur.org and keep up with Kansas City News on air at KCUR 89.3. If you like Kansas City Today, help us out by sharing the show with your friends or leaving us a review on your favorite podcast app. Join us again tomorrow and thanks for listening.